1: again people centric leaders back and better than ever i could say better than ever because uh it's just a maybe you know, it's just a few of us maybe you guys can decide the listeners can decide if this is better than ever because we're kind of coming to you with uh, with with uh, a unique unique team here. I was going to say the A team, but I didn't want the ones who were not on on the call right now, on the podcast right now, to uh, feel bad about that. It's a unique team. And I say it's a unique team. One, because uh, I am coming to you as your host, Matt Griswold. I'm going to facilitate the conversation. That's not necessarily unique. But Philip, Philip Herzog, uh, Engagement Specialist people PeopleCentric, is also on the podcast. Philip, it's been a while since you've been here, right? You, you catch us up on life.
2: It is, you know, I was not on the A team, but now I am back on the A team. Uh, and I, Yeah, a unique team it is definitely. Yeah, we have been traveling, we have been doing end of year visits with clients, and it has been amazing, you know. Kissing babies, shaking hands, um, and it's just been—it's actually very cool. After, at the end of the year, you know, after months of work with all these people in person, getting to see the successes they've had and differences they've made, so it's been great. But glad to be back with you, folks. Here,
1: yeah, Philip has been venturing to the depths of Illinois and to the boot hill of Missouri. I mean, you've been everywhere, uh, everywhere, making people happy uh, and, and helping. Everywhere, our out, if right? they
2: grow corn, wheat, uh, or have animals and livestock nearby, <laughs> I have been there. <laughs>
1: You're there. You're there. and so you, know, <laughs> yeah, you know, maybe that's a good, you know what, there's probably a lot of people that needed to hear that, but will they come here? Yes, we will. We will go. We will go where the people are. Um, Then that, that's, that's what we do. So we, we talk about, you know, we're based, just to, if you're new to the podcast, we're based in Springfield, Missouri, Southwest Missouri is where we are based uh, here, except for one of us. One of us is not like the other. Diana is actually based in, Washington, in the great state, depending on who you are, of Washington, right? It's uh, a
0: wonderful state.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's a wonderful state. And she, you know, she gets to see the mountains and the ocean uh, all in one day, maybe. It's true. I don't know. The Every of, day,
0: most but, days, yeah.
1: yeah. I don't know that yeah. I've experienced that. Diana, we're going to talk about difficult conversations. And one of the things that we're going to talk about with difficult conversations is how to approach those conversations. A lot of times... Uh, you know, when, when people listen to something like this, it's like from manager to employee, but what about employee to manager now? I, I know you're exci- kind of excited about this fun fact, Diana's kind of, uh, you know, like my boss, um, and I have to refer to her as admiral most of the time. Otherwise she's not responsive. Isn't that, isn't that true? Admiral? No,
0: I prefer, uh, queen. I prefer queen, <laughs> queen.
1: queen, queen. Yeah. yeah, that's a good, that's a pro Royal tip. Royal wanna...
0: majesty. Royal yeah. Highness,
1: oh, that's you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, kiss the ring uh, before you I- enter, right? And so, anyway, we, yes, we, we 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 kid, we kid, we are going to talk about that. But let me set the stage. Now that you know the team who's on board here, Philip, Diana, and myself. Uh, let me set the stage. So I, uh, you know, as my day job, I get to travel around all over the place and go speak at conferences. In fact, I would say many of the listeners of the podcast are ones that maybe have sat in a room. And scan a QR code that maybe Don or I put on a screen somewhere that said, "Hey, we also have a podcast." And you guys were like, "Really? Tell me more." And maybe that's how you that's that's how you found us, right? You were, attended a conference that Don and I spoke, and 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 maybe the conversation that we had that day was around difficult conversations. Or we also like to refer to that topic as the art of conflict. How many fights can we start? That's what we want to want to <laughs> want to talk about. The reality is when we work with people and difficult conversations are going to happen. And during that specific topic, when Don and I are on stage, we encourage people to have the conversation. In fact, if you can kind of picture, some of the slides talks about it's important to have the conversation because some of the common mistakes of not having the difficult conversation are not having the difficult conversation, or we we just think that we're all adults after all. It's gonna We're all adults. We'll figure it out. Just sweep it under the rug and go back to work and it never works like that. Now, this isn't necessarily gonna say, hey, difficult conversations are, are happening, but the topic of this is to encourage you to go have the conversation. At a conference, we say, Godspeed, go get them, have the conversation, do good work. And we recognize for the podcast, this is maybe a good topic to be able to take a step back and say, wait a second, when you say go have the conversation, how do I do that? How do I approach that? Especially if I'm not the manager to the employee, what if I'm the employee to the manager, but I I need to have a difficult conversation with the manager? Or better yet, what if it's peer-to-peer? Like, what is that dynamic? Nobody's the boss of anybody. Um, But sometimes we have to have those conversations too. And so that's what we want to talk about today. We want to talk about how do we frame those conversations, how to set yourself up for uh, those conversations. Also, recognizing what winning that conversation might look like. Um, unfortunately, I'm going to skip ahead, real, real briefly. Some of you are listening to this podcast, going, "I can't wait to do this or to have this conversation," because I need to have a conversation with my boss, who also happens to own the company. I'm sorry, you can't, you can't fire your boss. That's just a, that's a spoiler alert right now. You can't fire your boss, uh, no matter how much you want to. Diana, did you have thoughts about that? You unmuted for that. I don't know. Unless I, I don't
0: know. I mean. Listen, we've all had those bosses that were like, A, you're terrible at this job and I could do it better than you. um, And that we would also like to fire. But regardless of if you think you can fire a boss or not, like even if you think you could scheme or whatever and get them fired, it's not a good look. So, So I think we probably need to just say, don't do, don't. You're going to
1: start a coup and you're going to lead a revolt and you're going to feel very powerful. You're also going to be very toxic and then you're going to be very fired. That's and how that whole thing is going to go.
0: Very miserable. Like you just it <laughs> doesn't feel good. I've done it. I'm speaking from experience. It feels awful at the end. So. Yeah,
1: yeah. at the end, fast forward. Fast forward. Yeah. So, anyway, let's let's get in let's get into this. Um and let's maybe t- start talking about I don't know if you want to start talking about the dynamic. I'll choose, let's choose your own adventure. Adult learning theory says adults like uh, the autonomy and the direction that they go. So, Diana, Philip, I'm giving you the opportunity, the autonomy to be able to select the direction. You want to talk about what dynamics might be at play uh, from peer to peer versus boss to employee versus employee to boss, or do you want to talk about what does winning one of these conversations? Why do we even have to have these conversations in the first place? Where do you want to go?
0: I I think Philip will agree cuz Philip and I are context people. Oh. So I think if we start with why is this important at all, it will help lead the rest of the conversation. What do you think, Philip?
2: I totally, that's exactly the answer. I'm glad we're aligned. I also, I'm glad we're having this talk now because I was reviewing my calendar and today I had it on their overthrow people centric from within. Oh, uh, wow. And that was starting. <laughs> so I'm really changing my plans here. Uh, I'm excited about this podcast. This is great. So, also, I
0: feel like you may not understand the power and fury that I have within the organization. So I'm,
2: I'm, tread lightly. I back down quickly. Yeah. I <laughs>
1: Speaking of this whole topic and the calendar invites, it was a few years ago, Diana had Don's calendar and Diana put some invite for myself and Don, but it was like Monday of the week. And let me just, let me see who has been here. I had a calendar invite pop up on my calendar for like Friday afternoon, Matt and Don. And I'm like, hmm. And there's no context of anything. Matt and Don, I know that we typically fire people on Friday afternoons. I have no context for it. I have no, how do you approach that? Right. I didn't know Diana created it. I thought Don created it, Matt and Don to speak. And so then I had to, I was nervous for a couple of days. Like what, do, what do they want to talk about? What do they want to talk about? There's no subject.
0: Listen, if I was going to fire you, you would know it. That's what I'm going to, you would know it.
1: All right. All you right. Good. To question
0: that's... it. You would know that's what yeah. I'm going to say about it. So like, don't yeah. worry.
1: Yeah, and if you were gonna fire me, don't wait till Friday. If you're gonna send the invite out on Monday, just do it on Monday. Just be,
0: <laughs> listen. If Go. I want to fire you, I want you gone as quickly as possible. Also, so I'm not I won't yeah. wait. I won't wait. <laughs>
1: <laughs> all right. Anyway, it all turned out fine. It all turned out fine. We were just it was
0: something up. monotonous and mundane. It was very, very yeah. not crazy.
1: All right. So let's talk about it. So one of the things with the art of conflict, again, is we understand difficult conversations are going to happen. We understand people fail at these miserably. And we also understand that we encourage people to have the conversation. So let's start there. Why is it important that we even address these conversations in the first place? You know, because anytime I do this, I I love to be able to ask the question of a room full of people. Let's just find out who's in the room, right? How many of you are conflict adverse? Like, do you see conflict coming this way? You're going the other way. I don't want conflict. And by a show of hands, um, several people raise their hand. They don't want conflict at all, right? And I also understand that's an extremely vulnerable question to ask in front of a group of people who doesn't want to fight. And I'm asking you to raise their hand. I understand that's that's a vulnerable position. But then the other part of that is, okay, well how many of you are like conflict? Where is it? Bring it in here. I'll punch you right in the face right now. Let's just do this right now, right? Diana raises her hand to that one and several people raise their hand and this is where I have to drop the truth bomb of just because you're not afraid of it doesn't mean you do it well, right? And that's doing it well is kind of the reason why this is a podcast right now anyway. So, why do we need to have those conversations? Let's start there and then we can maybe talk about what does doing that well look like but what why is this a need anyway why are we encouraging people to do it
0: man i think don always says that communication is the cure for imperfection is that what he says
1: that's what he says yeah
0: yeah and, and i think in this case it's the cure for alleviating bad thoughts it's the cure for um building and repairing some bonds it's the cure for you um not feeling like you have any control in a situation—it's the cure for you. You're not building more stories that create more negativity, right? We, we're building stories in our mind all the time, so having these conversations helps with all of those things and and um, and probably more that I'm not thinking of.
1: Yeah, no, I I agree, I, I agree. and I'm going to add to that here in just a second, Philip.
2: Well, I was thinking too. You know, it's the reason it's so valuable is because that story. I always imagine stories carry weight, and if you have a thousand little stories on your mind, they just kind of are almost like pinpricks, right? When you interact with someone, and so two people have an interaction, one leaves super frustrated, one's like, "That was great. We're on the same page," and it's that unspoken middle that I think if you're if you're afraid to address that and just say, "Hey, why did this happen?" or "You seem so happy, and I'm so angry at you." let's talk about it there's just a different approach there so that that is why it's important because while i wish it never happened this probably leads to the majority of problems and conflicts we experience yeah,
1: yeah. And, and I get, I, I like how you define that as a thousand little pinpricks because I think that's a, that paints a pretty vivid picture, right? It paints a pretty vivid picture. If I, if I am frustrated by something and I'm avoiding the conversation, you can almost imagine what that thousand little pinpricks feels like. All of a sudden, I'm, I, I become distracted. I'm becoming more anxious. I'm becoming stressed out. I'm becoming more frustrated. And how many times has it happened where you finally get to the emotional breaking point of having this conversation? And you you let it all out, and then you that person that person's like, dang, I wish you would have told me that months ago. I had no idea that I was failing in in your eyes, but you let yourself get to this breaking point to where you did you know to where you finally had to have it, and they were oblivious. You know, this is another question that I ask a lot of people when I'm at conferences. How many of you want to know if you're doing a good job at work? And 100 of the hands go up, right? We don't have to have regular meetings about it. I don't need coddle. I don't need hugs. Just tell me, am I doing the right thing? Am I doing the right thing in your eyes? Likewise, I say, how many of you want to know if you're doing the wrong thing? How many of you want to know if you're doing the wrong thing at work in your boss's eyes? 100% of the hands go up. This is, again, hopefully that gives you good, a good uh, confidence to be able to have those conversations because people want to know if they are not doing what it is that you are Thinking that they need to be doing, um, I want to help set them up. So we talk about talk about why is this important. I think it just adds continued frustration if I don't. It's going to break down relationships. You're probably not going to want to work with that person. You're going to avoid that person. You're going to work around that person. Which you can imagine what that does in an office environment or a work setting with partnership and collaboration and 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 just interaction overall. Like it just breaks down the structure of what it is that you're trying to build um, build there in the first place. In, in the first place, so. What does what does winning one of these conversations look like? And I think it's important to voice this because I think sometimes I think sometimes we go into it winning winning the conversation means I get what I want. And I don't know if you're defining that correctly there. In fact that might be setting you up for failure.
0: Yeah, and I think a lot of people go into it like I'm going to I'm going to show them, right? I'm going to tell them all the things they've been doing wrong and they're going to feel bad about it, right? Like I'm gonna win if I make you cry, which probably, probably <laughs> is the wrong attitude to start with.
1: This is a good time to let everybody <laughs> you know. We're also on YouTube, and you want to go back and watch that clip of Diana just so you can see a day in the life of me. Uh, because that's, what I, oh my that's what I
0: that's I hope I, net, I have only made you cry like 75 times. <laughs>
1: But you're right, right? We go into that approach. Our approach is like, I I need to have the conversation because I need to win the conversation, which means I need them to do what it is that I need them to do. And I don't care if you're manager or employee or what, that's probably the wrong frame of mind to be able to enter it. Uh, Diana mentioned a Don quote earlier. I'll give you another one that people-centric says, effective communication can only happen when we recognize we might be wrong effective communication can only happen when we recognize we might be wrong. Meaning I need to go into the conversation, uh, at at least initially, right? If this is the seventh time we've had the conversation, this is a different conversation. But if this is the first time that we've had the conversation, I need to go into it trying to understand where you're coming from. I think both parties need to enter it. Why why are you saying the things that you're saying? Why are you asking me to do the things that you're doing? This again, I, I wasn't planning on going here, but this again kind of lends itself to adult learning theory. You know, we've done another podcast around adult learning theory, but adult learning theory is goal-oriented. It's relevancy-oriented. It's practical. Why are you asking me to do the thing that you're asking me to do? Because I promise I'm not trying to be defiant, but to me as an adult learner, I don't understand why I would need to do that in the role that I'm in or, you know, whatever that looks like. And so I need to have that kind of hat on as I'm approaching to trying to understand where they're coming from, why they're doing the things that they're doing, because typically they're not out to sabotage you. They think they're doing the right thing. And it's important to understand where they're coming from initially. Philip.
2: We were talking with the, I was talking with the leader of an organization recently and he, uh, yeah, just that he said, you know, I'm frustrated because people don't know what our goals are. And I put it on a PowerPoint and I showed them at our last meeting, our last all group meeting. uh, I showed them what we're doing, what we are all doing together. And I said, Yeah, uh, do you mind if I ask you a little bit about this? (laughs) Like, let's talk. So by the end, we were both laughing because he said, Oh, wow, I see what I did. You know, I I told them this is our plan. And it was once. And adult learning theory, to your point, Matt, yeah, you have to say the same thing multiple times. And not just adults. Think of kids. Think of anyone, anything. Like hearing something once doesn't mean it's been communicated well. Um, The other thing I was thinking too, the flip side, what a win for this looks like if you can have real conversations even if they You know, meander in a difficult territory. um, I think it makes your good conversations, your celebratory conversations, that much more meaningful as well. Because it's one thing if you're a person who says all the time, you're awesome and you're great and you're good. And if that's all you hear, but people around you see there's something else going on also, and you just never address that as a leader or a team, um, it devalues both sides. So now you can't effectively communicate when there are good things. Or bad things because you either avoid them or the other and so i think it's it's a good thing because it kind of levels the field and it makes good good and it makes what we can make better better you know i think that
1: yeah i i appreciate that i i like that um and, and you know the other kind of following that approach we're not talking about it but some leaders might might have just heard philip and go what i thought it was good to be able to tell them what the goals are the other part of that is bringing them along for the ride, right? They own what they help create. And so that's another teaching point, I guess, not necessarily what this podcast is about there, but one of the follies in case you're stuck on that right now going, whoa, is that bad? No, that's, that's good. But maybe I want to try to co-create some of those goals Um, or at least do my best to say, hey, here's some overarching things that we're shooting for and then help them understand where they fit into those things so they can see a so they can see a good path of helping you succeed because that's what they want to do too. So anyway, let's talk about dynamic. Let's talk about dynamic. And I don't know, we can we can maybe um kind of glaze over the one on manager to employee. That's a, a certain dynamic. And I think when people are listening to the difficult conversations talk, this has been my experience, the art of conflict talk, they're they're hearing it from if I'm a manager and I have to have a difficult conversation with an employee, because clearly the employee is is messing up, right? um Then, okay, I need, I know how to approach that. But there's other dynamics at play here. There's other dynamics. What if I am the employee, but I need to have a difficult conversation with my boss? Or what if I am a, an employee and somebody else is also an employee, nobody's the boss of anybody, we're on the same hierarchy level, but I feel like they're not operating in a way, one, that helps us achieve our goals. But two, Sometimes, and this this might be difficult uh, to grasp here, but sometimes we work for the same company, but our jobs or our roles have competing interests. And this is a little bit difficult to maybe wrap our minds around, so I'm going to use Don as an example. Don is a recovering engineer, former chemical engineer, did all the engineering things as an engineer might do. And Don talks about his onboarding, his very first day of onboarding, he went through the, the company onboarding. And then he had the engineering onboarding from the other engineering groups, right? Which sounds very intimidating. Uh, And he goes into the the, the engine with the engineers and they stopped him and they said, Hey, listen, property accounting is your enemy, right? They're going to try to stall all the things that you are trying to do around here. Property accounting is your enemy. And there's a great story that goes along with that where that's what he thought. And so that's how he treated them. And they had to kind of, Finally, get aligned. They're same hierarchy level. We're both nobody's the boss of anybody, but we're not working well together, and we need to work well together for the overall success of the organization. Diana.
0: well, and I think there's a lot of times where people have different ways that they work, and it causes conflict, right? Like I, Matt, you and I don't work the same, and when we're on the same level doing the same job. That can become really frustrating and it could easily build a lot of different stories. We work well together, but it could build stories and it could like cause people to be frustrated with someone that you work with every single day. And I think those things are really difficult to talk about. And then again, the managing up, right? If your manager is doing things that is really affecting you and how you work and you need to have that conversation those conversations are scary. (laughs) Like they're intimidating and they're hard. And, you know, when you schedule that meeting, your palms get all sweaty and you don't want to do it. Like you just don't want to do it. So I love that we're talking about
1: it. So you just, uh, you know, you gave one of the pro tips there. How do we approach that? Let's say for instance, it is an employee to manager. And you said schedule the meeting. Uh, Sometimes we go from an emotional place where there is nothing scheduled, but I'm finally just going to barge into your office and demand that things change around here. I don't know that that's going to hit the right note of what it is that you're trying to accomplish. And so in addition to scheduling the meeting, what are some of those other things that I need to think about? If I am that employee that's thinking about this, what what do I need to think about or consider, at least in my approach? Um, what, how, how am I defining winning here? Like what, what tips do we have if this is something that somebody listening is needing to, uh, a path that they're needing to walk down?
0: Oh, I like that. Yeah. I think you just touched on one of them. It's defining the win. What would winning look like for you, right? If, and I'm not saying winning is you get all that you want, winning, you know, be, be really honest about what would, what would change the situation and what would make you feel good if you left that room and things happened. So I love defining the win, scheduling the meeting, not going into it with like this heightened emotional state. Um, and then I also think, in any of these conversations try really hard to see the other person's perspective and ask a lot of questions i think when we can go in and say here's what i have been seeing and feeling what do you see and feel right like what's happening on your end because from from how i'm seeing it it feels like this is happening but tell me how you're seeing it so that we can know what's happening in each other's worlds
1: Diana, I want you to piggyback on this too, because you just, you kind of went there and we have another podcast about that whole topic and you're, you're that's the opposite of assigning intent, right? Because if I, yes. I could go in there and say, this is why you're doing what you're doing and none of us like it around here, uh, which is the idea of assigning intent. But what you're saying is asking the question instead of maybe making an observation. So you're you're saying, why are you doing the thing that you are doing instead of me assuming I know, right? Which is detrimental to
0: yeah. Assigning intent is one of my absolute favorite topics Uh, when it comes to conflict and managing and all of that stuff. So if you haven't listened to that one, go back and listen to it. But yeah, exactly. Like Matt said, I can go into it with the story that let's say I was going to go talk to Don. I could go into it with the story that Don doesn't know what he's talking about. That Don just throws stuff on my plate and has no idea how hard it is for me to do all of this, that Don has no clue about all the things that are going on, that John's, you know, a giant jerk. I can go into it with that story. And maybe in the back of my mind, that story is there. But if I can go in and say I'm going to pretend that I don't think those things and I'm just going to see why did he give this to me? Does he know what's on my plate? Is there a reason that he's, you know, been a little short lately? Like let's just ask some questions and figure that out together cuz if I go into it thinking that Don is a jerk, I'm going to treat him like a jerk. And so I need to go into it thinking that he's not and don't treat him that way. Like treat him as a as a respected and valued human instead of treating him like I might think of him.
1: And I think I think the important part of that, because there might be again, I can hear people. I'm trying to look at the other side of this all the time. Uh, no, no, no. My boss is a jerk. No, no, no. You don't know my boss. Right. And we're not saying to go in with that perspective because you're soft. Right. We're, yeah. we're saying go in with that perspective, because if you go in with the other perspective, there's no chance you're winning that conversation. If okay. the goal is, is trying to come to like some sort of a mutual agreement or, uh, you know, some sort of common ground then I need to have that approach as I am having that conversation as well. And I, I need to, uh, you know, they kind of take that approach, not because you're soft, but because you're trying to get to an in, in, in solution uh, there too. Philip, I'm sorry. I think I cut you off. What were you going to add?
2: No, no. uh, Spot on with what you guys are both saying. It's that idea. I think if you have respect for this person, you know, if it's a hard conversation, you have respect in history. That's one thing. Um, But your point, if you're like to the person who says my boss is terrible and doesn't respect me, uh, or I think that they're terrible and doesn't respect me and they're not going to listen to me or hear me. Um, And no matter who your boss is, I think going in with a statement of also like, I know, and whether you say this or not, it's probably helpful if you say it, if it's true, um, but like, I know my boss wants success for our organization, right? Or for our team. They're not here to make, I'm not here to make our team worse. They're not here to make our team worse. So sometimes saying that, you know, when you come in before you even say all the things like, hey. Before we really get into this, I just want to share. I know that you want success for our team. I know that these are things that you care about as well, you know, kind of creating that. And I think what also is helpful in communication, especially when hard things are being talked about, is the clarifying, this is not what I'm saying. So you make your statement, and then if you think, they might think, oh, you're, you're saying I'm a terrible person, I'm a terrible leader. I am not saying that you're a terrible leader. I am not saying that you do not care. I, like, I think that's one thing people miss, because if you don't clarify the knots people, their mind is going to go there. And after the meeting, they could say, well, you're like, no. So you could just say it up front. This is what I'm saying. This is what I'm not saying. I'm not saying this. And you go back. This is what I'm saying. And then to Diana's question, what do you think, though? I want to hear from you. And what are your understandings and your thoughts? And I think it's a healthy way to mitigate some miscommunication that can happen.
1: No, I I, I like that. And I think, you know, you use the word respect. There's got to be a certain amount of respect level there, too. I think something else that needs to be there is trust. Uh, if I am if I am trying to have that conversation, I need to trust that you have the best intentions. Maybe we just got sideways just a little bit, right? I trust that you still uh, love the company. I trust that you still think I'm valuable. I trust all of those things. But right now, this is the way this feels. And so there needs to be a, little, a certain amount of trust. If the only time you bring somebody in or if the only time you have a conversation with that certain person is when something's wrong, you probably have not done a great job of establishing respect and trust. And so they're just always on guard. If you're wondering why they're offensive, um, you know, always on the offensive like that, um, it's probably because we haven't done a good job of nurturing that relationship before I actually needed the relationship. You know what I mean? Like I gotta, I gotta, I gotta spend some time building a relationship with those folks so that way it's an easier conversation to have. The other thing that I would say too, as far as this is concerned, let's put ourselves in the manager's shoes, and somebody is approaching us, and my employee is approaching us. I have two choices of how I can respond to that, it seems, right? Maybe there's more choices, uh, This, but but it seems like the obvious two choices I have is to say, how dare you, right? Like, I am the boss. You are the employee. Do you not think that I know how this works? Or, you know, almost, almost take that mindset. Not that you would say those things, but almost take that mindset. Your employees can feel that, whether you say it or not. The other approach, though, and this is the challenge that I always ask people whenever I'm on stage delivering this content, stuff like this, is if I'm a manager, don't you want, don't you want to know, don't you want to know uh, if the employees are frustrated by certain things? The other part of that is, if I'm a manager, have you done a good? The takeaway, have you done a good job of creating a space for your people to be able to bring whatever concerns to you? It does not mean that you have to do all the things that your people are saying that you should do. Right? That's a different. That's a difference in the mentality. But have you done a good job of creating a space where your employees feel comfortable to be able to bring you those things? I've, I've talked to so many managers and leaders who have said, uh, I ask them all the time what it is that I can do differently, you know, differently around here. And they never have anything for me. But, you know, me on the consulting side, I know they're frustrated because they'll come to me. They're not going to the manager. They'll come to me. So, you know, the the difficult truth bomb there for that leader or that manager is maybe it's not the fact that you're asking the question. Maybe it's the fear of the response if they actually brought something to you. Right. And so it's just easier as an employee to keep my head down. And I don't want employees just keeping their head down. I want to proactively head up, knowing the goals and and, you know, knowing the team, knowing the dynamic, and we're all rowing in the same direction. That's the goal. know what were we gonna add?
0: I was gonna say for the employees. I could hear a lot of them saying like, well, I'm not, there is no space for that. And I'm not comfortable doing that. And I want to remind them that like comfort isn't always easy, right? Just because they've made the space just because a boss may be say like, yeah, my door is always open. Doesn't mean it'll go be an easy conversation because Don, our leader super has made the space has made everyone feel safe. And when I have to have those conversations, it's still nerve wracking. So it still feels uncomfortable, even though he has made all the all the space in the world for us to be able to do that. It's still hard. So I just want to I just wanted to warn people, like, even if you are in a safe space, this kind of conversation is still going to feel difficult.
1: Good noted. Right. And especially if you're one of those first people that raised your hand that said, I am conflict adverse, then it might feel real, real rough. Right. It might feel real hard uh, there too, but hopefully we talked enough about why it's important to have it that we can kind of get over that emotion or at least start the conversation. Um, and, you know, it needs to have each word, respect from both sides. I, I, I think the last tip that I would maybe throw out there from this dynamic, instead of leaving a, a laundry list of things that you need your leadership to do because you're just really frustrated about these things, I would also encourage you to prepare yourself to come with maybe some potential solutions of how you think that we we could overcome some of those things. Instead of just dropping it off at the doorstep and saying, you don't have enough to do. Clearly, you just sit in your office all day, right? We need all of these things. I've talked to the people. Here's our list of demands. And it's not that you would say that, but I promise you that's what they hear, (laughs) right? I'm the voice of the people. They've sent me as their representative. This is what you need to do. Um, And now it's a hostage situation and we don't negotiate with terrorists, you know, you know, that that kind of a thing, that kind of a thing. And so maybe come with some potential solutions of how you think we could overcome these. And you might also recognize, listen, I, I, I recognize I'm asking for maybe a heavy lift or I know there's five different things on here. Maybe there's just a couple we could focus on initially. Right. And you need to be a part of the solution in that conversation, even if you're the one that is that is starting that conversation.
0: Yeah. And I think you always say be okay with hearing no, but ask why, right? Like if the answer is, if you come with these things and say like, I really, I really need this stuff. I really need this help. And the manager's like, I can't, then you're totally okay with saying, well, can you explain why? Can you tell me why? Like, why or why not? What's holding it back? Where's the barriers? Can we move something? You know, like, be able to hear the no, but ask for a clarity on the no.
1: Yeah, that's another one of those adult learning principles. I think adults are okay with the answer no, as long as they know why the answer is no. Uh, instead of a blanket, nope, can't do that. All right, then, going back to work, right? And, but if I know know the why of why the answer is no, then I'm much more likely to accept the no. Philip.
2: I think like you're all saying, it's it's good to have a little bit of a plan when you come in. So again, it's not like this whole thing. And so not and not that you dictate, the. you don't want to walk in with an agenda and be like, here are the 12 steps I think we need, you know what I mean? And not like that, uh, but do have some kind of goal and plan with that part. And the other thing I think is helpful is also if you have in your mind, if it goes, I mean, some kind of follow up afterwards. So if it is that list and there's a no, then that's, that's a piece of it. But if you're like, hey, yeah, let's work on this thing, it would be like, okay, well, send an email to follow up or something like that. But I would say these are convers... We started this out without clarifying these are conversations. These are not emails or texts or like Teams messages back and forth. So I think the fact that all of these are happening interpersonally where I can talk to you, again, if you can't do it in person, make it a phone call. You need to have the back and forth for these conversations to go really very well. And there are several times I've been talking with someone where they said, we had a conversation and midway through, I realized this is not how a regular conversation would go. So I said, when you say conversation uh, manager, can you, did you talk to them? They're like, no, 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 no. I messaged them, and I was like, okay, this is where we've had our issues. So that's a really important detail for all of this. High-level communication requires high-level commitment and a richer medium.
1: That is, that's that's awesome. Yeah, I think we glazed right by that that part there. Yes, it's always good to have these in person if you can. If not, I'd recommend video instead of just a phone call, so you can see the nonverbals at the same time. Um, I'm a big fan of the video call. My team knows that. I'll video call you if I have a question. <laughs> I'm not just going to send you a message. If I can video call you and see, I'd much prefer to do that. But anyway, uh, you know, we, we spent a lot of time talking about the employee to manager. And I know we're kind of moving uh, close to our end time here. A lot of those tips that we just shared, I think are still relevant on the peer-to-peer conversation too. We didn't really get into that, but I think we still want to set the time. We still want to not assign intent to why they're doing what they're doing. I still want to come in with an, the understanding that that uh, I think we're both doing our best uh, here, but we seem to have, uh, there. I don't know, there's some sort of a sticking point here that I, I think I would appreciate. Maybe you would appreciate too, if, if we could work through it. So I think we have that mutual respect. I think we have that mutual trust. It's still a conversation we want to have in person, but it's also a conversation that I would encourage you not to avoid. Um, at the same time, because that divide is just going to get bigger and bigger and bigger. If we had the time, I'm sure we could go around the table and talk about uh, those instances that we have had and maybe have had and we did not do it well ourselves, Um, you know, and and maybe others that we that we succeeded. But the point is to have the conversation overall. So what other points do you think we want to hit on here? What other points do you think our listeners want to hear from this particular topic?
0: The only other one I would say is if you are a manager having this conversation, the manager needs to recognize that they are in a position of power, which automatically makes this conversation harder for the person not in power. So you do need to be vulnerable. You need to be honest. You need to be um, kind uh, because you have that like muscle of authority and you don't need to flex it because this is already awkward. And so you need to kind of recognize that that level of authority makes this much harder and you need to turn down your dial of authority during these kinds of conversations.
1: And you can almost imagine that employee that's come, come into this closed door meeting as the door shuts behind them and they sit down in this office or at this desk that they don't normally sit down in and we don't just normally hang out their brain automatically is going, is this safe? Is it not safe? Is it safe? Is it not safe? Like what's happening? And I would even encourage encourage you if this is a conversation the manager is needing to have with the employee that you have asked the employee to be there, not the vice versa. Um, maybe don't start talking. If this isn't normal, don't start. How was your weekend? How's life? How's your family? And they're going, shut up and just tell me why I'm here. What is happening? You never ask me these questions. What do you want from me? What did I do wrong? I think that's the, this is just kind of the understanding of, of, of that dynamic. And then, okay, so if I understand that, maybe I can adapt my behavior because I understand that. I think and that's what Diana is saying there too. So just understand the dynamic there. Philip, any closing thoughts?
2: It's so easy to talk about difficult conversations. It's so hard to have a difficult conversation. Um, and I think, yeah, at any time you have a difficult conversation, you get really nervous. There are a few things I do well in life when I'm nervous, uh, and then you make it hard with a boss staring in front of you, especially if it's about you and your boss or about you and a co There's all the elements in this to say, this is why it's so hard and why everyone's really bad at this. Uh, to Diana's point, like even in a great environment, still sometimes, yeah, if I have a coworker, I'm going to reach out and say, hey, this is the thing or I was doing it differently and I didn't like how you did this. You talk about it, like, it's, it's not easy. So uh, knowing that whatever your best intentions are, it's just going to be, uncomfortable it's like driving a brand new car down a really bad dirt road with potholes in it you're like i don't enjoy that experience what's going to happen to this thing you know uh, i think of Donna on parks and rec when she's like my bins it's like one of those moments if your bins is going to get really been out of shape this is the time it would so building those relationships way in advance and just making sure that you're really polite and courteous like i think ending all of these conversations acknowledging it's hard for the other person just as much as it's hard for you. And just saying thank you for hearing me. And I'd love to hear your thoughts. Like this is a conversation, just stating that outright, right? I'm very thankful and be humble about it. Even if you think you're right and other people think you're right. Like just be very humble with these moments because they are tender and no one's really good at them. Yeah. That's but good, you can be better. Yeah. That's a
1: that's a that's a good thought there. And and we might leave the conversation and nobody quote unquote won anything, but at least it's out there now at least the thought is out there. You, you've been able to say what it is that you, you wanted to say. Um, we can't make anybody do anything. That's another people-centric thought there. We can't make anybody do anything. And I know there's people that are like, the heck I can't. I will fire them. Okay. Well, I mean, if they're operating out of fear, I guess you can, but I don't know what type of engaged, engagement you have from that person. So You know, maybe maybe winning was just that we actually had the conversation and that's the start to something that's that's uh, going to improve there or something that's better. So hope that this topic was was uh, timely for you. Maybe. I mean, that sounded bad. Hope. I hope you have to have one of these conversations. (laughs) Uh, I don't I don't want to hope that. But hopefully it's timely in that if you did have to have that one of those conversations, you took something away. Just one tip. Uh, one tip that you could share, or maybe uh, proactively practice as well. If we you have other ideas for topics, we love to interact with our with our uh, listeners. There, the leaders out there trying to make a change for the positive all all over the world right now, listening to this podcast. And so, feel free to share it. Give us ideas for different topics. We always love to hear from you. We love you all. Bye bye.
0: Thank you for listening to the People-Centered Podcast. We are so grateful for you joining us every week. If you like this content, please like and subscribe. Also, feel free to share on your social media with everyone that you know. It really does help us. If you would like to contact us, I have put our information in the show notes. Please reach out anytime. We love hearing from you. We will be back next week with a new topic. Until then... Be well and lead well.